Love Talk Radio.
evening, everybody. Welcome to Reaching Out Radio International. This is God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, uh, Prophet, Evangelist, Apostle Ed Eberle. And it is a pleasure to be here tonight. I'm, I'm really excited that this is going to be a special night. Uh, tonight I have a special guest, and, and of course Montel, the lady that has Reaching Out Radio International, uh, that allows me to speak on her program here. I just thank God for it, and it's always a pleasure to have her here, and it's a pleasure to have my guest here, Reverend Brian Faust, and uh, Brian's a very good friend of mine also, and before we get into that, uh, I just wanted to tell you something. You know, we were we were talking a little bit before sharing the goodness of God with one another, and you know, what God is doing now I know the Bible tells us in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by power and might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And something that I've mentioned, uh, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago in the program, and I want to carry this on because this is something I believe in everything I do, whether it's visiting a friend's house or whether it's on the radio or whatever it might be, another program, I always expect God to show up by the power of his spirit. Not necessarily in anything I say or do, but just the Holy Spirit showing up because what will happen when you give the Holy Spirit permission, he comes in, and I could be teaching on uh, on uh, finances or something. I could be teaching on something else, and you'd be healed. Uh, you might need uh, uh, an answer to a problem in your life or, or a uh, challenge in your life. And what would happen would be I could be talking about another thing, and the Holy Spirit would give you an answer. So this program, I exercise my faith to believe on God's uh, hour of truth that God will manifest himself to you in whatever way you have need of for him to manifest himself to you because you can only understand the reality of God through experience. I can tell you things. These people tonight can tell you things. Anybody can tell you, speak the word of God. But that experiential knowledge that you have when you invite him to come in to you, when you invite him to come to you, that's when he reveals himself and you know he's real. So before we go any further, let's pray and let's ask God to move upon us tonight, just to have his way in each one of our lives and hearts, that that the sick will be healed, and above all, those will be lost, will be saved, those will be delivered, delivered, miracles, everything that God has. I'm just believing, and I know uh, uh, Sister Montel and Brother Brian are the same way. They're believing for God to move in whatever way is needed. So we're agreeing right now in the name of Jesus what we're going to pray, okay? Father, I just want to praise you and thank you for this wonderful privilege to minister on the program tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for the guest here, Reverend Faust, and also Evangelist Montel, Father. I thank you. We are three together here tonight. And, Father, I would just ask, Father, and we would agree together in the name of Jesus that you would move upon the hearts of everybody here tonight. Those that are sick would be healed. Those that need delivered, they'd be set free. Those that need a word of understanding or knowledge, they would receive that. And those that needed courage would be encouraged. And whatever is necessary, we just release that anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you said in Isaiah 55:11 that the word will not return void. So we just speak that word forth through these airways right now in the name of Jesus. And Satan, I bind you now. I stop you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I cast you away from the minds and the homes of those that are listening, that you will not interfere in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of Jesus. You will not interfere at all. You have no power, no place in anybody tonight in Jesus' name. 
And, Father God, I just ask that you give people a sound, clear mind, as you said in Second Timothy 1.7. You didn't give us the spirit of fear, but you give us power, love, and a sound mind. I speak that sound mind that we can make the decisions that we need to make, and that we learn and we grow from one another tonight as we minister your word. So, Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise for everything that's going to be accomplished tonight, and we thank you for miracles. We thank you for unexpected miracles, as as the Vandis Montel shared with us a few moments ago, an unexpected situation in her life, an unexpected healing. Uh, that she was believing for, but see, it just happened, and all of a sudden she recognized it. Father, I just thank you for those things, and I thank you tonight that you're going to multiply those things to the people listening as they look to you, Father. And for everything that's accomplished, we just give you all the glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name we ask. And they all said, Amen. Amen. And amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm telling you, I've, I've been so excited for God, I can hardly keep going. I mean, it just. <laughs> This is what's happening, but I want to say this to you before I turn the mic over to uh, Reverend Faust. Uh, you know, we're seeing things happen like never happened before. Just a uh, couple weeks ago, God raised uh, two people from the dead on our program. There was a baby that was raised from the dead. It was, it was in the hospital, and it was uh, it was reported. I mean, it's there. It wasn't just some fake call or something, but it was actually monitored. And also, my grandson had a uh, had a situation that he straight lined, and he was brought back from the dead. And so we're seeing God resurrect dead people, and and uh, we're seeing just some wonderful things happen. People are receiving, and our message tonight we're going to be sharing, talking about is so so needed. I can't even uh, say how badly it's needed, because in fact, the, the title of the message tonight that we have, it's time to armor up putting on that full armor. It's time to armor up because great things are happening. But let me tell you something. As great things happen in our lives, the enemy strikes all the harder. and You have to be armored up that you can withstand the, the wiles of the devil. And we're going to minister tonight that you're going to have a complete understanding, not saying we know everything, but a complete understanding of just how to deal. And this day, this hour, these times that people say are so impossible and everything is, is going south. Well, that's true. It's going that way, basically, but not for us, not for us Christians. It's going north. It's going south for the world, and it's going to go worse for a lot of these people who are not doing what they should be doing. But for us, we're going to be blessed in ways beyond what we've ever expected. So without further ado, I'm going to turn the mic over to Reverend Faust. And, of course, uh, he was on this program. I've known him for a number of years. He was on here with uh, Vandis Montel, actually, before I was. Uh, a few years ago, and I met him on here and his lovely wife, and we've been very close friends, dear friends, and, uh, of course, I'm going to leave him tell you about things before he uh, really opens up into that, because I'm gonna, uh, I told him, I said, you have the mic, and we're going to talk back and forth, but uh, we prayed, and, of course, I told you what the message was, and I'm going to turn the, the uh, mic over to Reverend Faust and just leave him say some things to you, okay? Reverend Faust, it's all yours. Hey, well, greetings from Columbus, Texas, where the the Colorado River runs through here, making it a beautiful little town. Uh, we're just really excited to be on the air. Thank you, my brother, Ed. And uh, we just want to let our listeners know that Lee and I are with Hazak Ministries. Uh, we're an encouragement ministry here down in Texas. And we bring a message of hope and healing and encouragement to those who are lost and hurting. 
And sometimes people will ask us, well, how did you get into ministry like that? And I said, well, we used to have a band called the Daystar Project, and we started with that particular band. And then, unfortunately, they say that from your greatest tragedy or misery, God will birth your greatest ministry. And so for us in 2004, our only child, Victoria Fouts, who was 18, had just turned 18, and four days later they had three men decided to pick her up, take her to another town, and accused her of stealing a digital camera, and, and there they took her life. Uh, but one of the glorious things that came out of this was is that we had asked and prayed the Father for uh, his grace and for that supernatural healing uh, to come through for us. And God gave us that supernatural peace within 48 hours of learning of our daughter's death. And at her service, we had about 1,200 people there. And our band played there. And at the end of the message, we gave a message for people to come down front who needed prayer and wanted to hear the options to be able to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we were really excited to see over 20 people that came down front and eight were accepted Christ right there at the altar that night, and a few more a couple of weeks later. And so I always like to tell people that even out of tragedy, God can use you, he can use the situation, and it can all be used for his glory. So my brother Ed and I, we've been talking all week, talking about, well, what are we going to talk about and where do we want to go? And so with that, I wanted to just share with you, our listeners, that we're going to be reading out of Ephesians tonight, starting in chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 20. And we wanted to spend some good quality time on these verses with you tonight. And it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we don't want this to come across as a college-level uh, entry program. We just want to try to keep it simple. And we, we hope that during this time you'll find some of the things that we talk about that you'll find it will be fun and encouraging and educational and uplifting at the same time. And we pray that as we go through these things, that you will really listen and understand why it's time to armor up. And so we're going to be talking about all of the different verses tonight, and we're going to be talking about what those verses mean and how we can use those and apply it to our life. So I just want to share with you that uh, in this section, the Apostle Paul teaches us about the importance to put on the whole full armor of God. And I want you to know that it's really important for us to know exactly what that looks like and how we can use this armor in our daily life. So if you're ready, and if you happen to have your Bible or your iPad or your phone, uh, you can get on, take a look at a Bible link, and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. So I'm going to read the first three verses there, and then we're going to go back to the first verse. And so Paul opens up and says, Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So let's take a look at that first verse again. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And so what I want to do is I want to ask my brother, Ed, what do you think that word strong really means, Ed? Okay, Brian, what it simply means 
He says, be strong in the Lord. That means, first of all, getting self out of it completely and focusing on Jesus completely. It's just like when Jesus healed the, uh, or excuse me, when uh, Peter was used to heal the lame man, uh, they wanted to give Peter and the other apostle credit. But he said, no, it wasn't us that did this. It was Jesus and in his name. So first of all, we must focus on Jesus to be strong in the Lord because if we have self in it or we have a part in it, we're not strong in the Lord. But that's giving him full attention, honoring him, believing him, and taking the limits off of ourselves completely and putting the limits on God where there is no limits. So that must be it. We must have our faith out there that, God, you can do anything. And you can do anything, not just do anything, but you can do it for me. And now the next thing, when he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, now that's the fruit of being strong in the Lord. Because if you're strong in the Lord, the power of his might is like Jesus. Jesus said, the things that I do, so shall you do even greater things. So if I'm strong in the power of his might, that means I'm going forth, people being saved, healed, delivered, set free, demons cast out, raised the dead, or whatever it might be, because you're demonstrating what you believe. You're strong in the Lord. You're strong in his word. You're strong in him. And since you have a God that can do anything in his might and the power of his might, that's his power, not your power. That's that supernatural power. Now, you didn't do it. He did it, but he did it through you, you see. So God working through you, and, and really to put it in a simple way, it's just like God working through you because the Holy Spirit is within you, the greater one Jesus is within you. And through you, he heals the sick. He, he casts out devils. He, he uh, does all many wonderful works because you and I can't do it. I, I can't heal the sick. I can't raise the dead. I can't cast out devils, but I can through him. You see, he, he takes it. I believe what his word says. I act upon that, and as I act upon that, Jesus shows up and he does it, see. That was just like Peter walking on the water. Or excuse me, yeah, Peter walking on the water. You know, he got out of his boat, get out of himself. And he said, no, I'm going to do something here. I can't do this. I'll sink if I would walk. But my master told me that. So he focused on Jesus when he started to walk. He obeyed him and tempted walking through to do the impossible. And he did the impossible, you see. Now, I realized when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he sank, showing that we can only do these supernatural things through Christ. Christ does them through us by his Holy Spirit, you see. That's why the Holy Spirit is here to do the job. But you and I have to take the authority out of our mouths by our actions and by our deeds and demonstrations, and then he does it, you see. It's simply just the Lord working through us. And a lot of people will have questions about that and wondering, uh, but it's something you, you really grow into when you start to operate in these things. You start to realize you're being led and you're being directed and you're seeing things happen that you couldn't do and you're recognizing it's him. So I know that was quite a long uh, terminology, what I've said there, but that's really what it is because he wants all of us to be that way. That's not just us in the fivefold ministry. That's every believer because these signs will follow them that believe. It doesn't say these signs will follow the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, teachers, pastors. It says it'll follow those that believe. And I always like to say something, and it's not adding on to the scriptures, but it's saying these signs will follow them believe, which believers, born-again believers, yes. That, but believe it, they will follow them, you see. There's a lot of born-again believers that don't believe signs will follow, and they won't follow them. But you have to believe these signs will follow them by acting on the Word of God, what the Word says you can do and what you should do, and be obedient, and God uses. We're strong in the power of his might. 
Okay, well, listen, here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to take a look at that word strong, and uh, for the listeners that are out there, kind of in simplistic, uh, I always like to look up stuff and kind of research things. And so that word strong in the Webster's Dictionary actually means having a great physical power. It also means to have a great moral or intellectual power. It also means to have a great resource amount, like wealth or talent. It also means having lots of strength, and it also means that it is not easy to break or damage. And so, now here's something interesting for our listeners. Both the words strong and that word strength have the same exact Hebrew word, and that that word is hazak. And hazak means to make strong, to give strength to. It means to give to sustain, to encourage, to make firm, and to make bold. Now, here's something really cool, and this is from Joshua 1.9. The Lord says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, finally, when it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, that last word in that sentence that Ed talked about is that word might. Now, here's a little teaching for you. That Hebrew word for might is the word koach, and it means human strength, or it means strength of angels, and it means the strength of God. And so, speaking of that word might, I found this over in 1 Samuel 2.9, and it reads that he keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness, for not by might, but by for not by might shall a man prevail. So, you know, Brother Ed, we're we're talking tonight about armoring up. And as Christians, we need to know and how to learn and understand that we are in a battle. Yes, folks, we are in a battle. Not just any battle, but we're in a spiritual battle, and we're in one that is a lot bigger than we can ever even imagine. So, Ed, don't you agree that we really are in a battle today? We are. We are. And uh, it's the strongest battle it ever was, even greater than when Jesus himself was here. This is a greater time when Christ, than when Christ walked the earth himself because he said this would be the greatest season, the latter rain. Now, what I, I wanted to say something about when you said strong. The Bible tells us that we're to let weak say that we're strong. And he said, my strength, in Second Corinthians twelve nine. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So when we say we're strong, be strong in the Lord, it's really believing and then receiving his strength because we, we're not operating our strength. We believe it, but that strength is upon and within us that we act this way. That's what makes us strength. We're, I'm operating on the strength of God, not my own strength or my own words or what I think, but it's having faith in him and believing in him and trusting him and expecting him, and he said, my strength in you. He said, let the weak say I'm strong. So when you stop and think, you know, Brian, you think, you know, uh, when you think about that, he said, let the weak say I'm strong. So that means that you and I have no weaknesses because if I'm weak in an area, then he said, my strength is made perfect in that area. So give that area to me, and I'll make you strong, Ed. And then he'll say the same thing, Brian, if you're of a weak area, he said, I'll make you strong in that. So if we are faithful to give him the areas that we need help with 
he's going to make us strong in those areas. And then, therefore, in reality, we can say, I don't have any weakness. I'm, I have all strength. We won't be, uh, have to do say, well, let the weak say I am strong because we're no longer weak. We, our areas have been brought up. But so many times people rely on their own ability and strength and not tapping into the Holy Spirit and receiving that strength of God that enables you and I to go above things, that strength, because we're, we're in his strength. Because my strength is weak. My strength is weak. Right. It really is when in myself. But when I'm hooked into him, wow, I'm, I'm unlimited. You're unlimited. Uh, Montel's <laughs> unlimited. That, that's what we have to recognize. Uh, that, that's my take on that. But you're absolutely right what you're saying there because strength, and when you were uh, speaking about strength and, and giving the definitions, uh, what I really thought about, that, wow, that, that is great. And that's really talking about God, and, and we're tapping into that because that belongs to us. He says, as I was in this world, so are you. You're the way I was, the things that I do. There isn't anything that Jesus did that we can't do other than dying on the cross and paying by by our blood because our blood means nothing in that sense. But Jesus did it all through the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. His personality is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, 23, and 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, where the gifts of the Spirit were the miracles, the healings, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom. So we're, we're, we talk about a source of energy. Uh, we have a source of energy in Jesus Christ that we, we barely tapped into yet. Yep, that's true. And, you know, when I was uh, doing this, I, was, I found a really interesting uh, side note by John MacArthur. He said that Satan's power over Christians is already broken, and the great war is won through Christ's crucifixion, which forever conquers yes. the power of sin and death. That was just a very powerful yes. verse that I read. So, you know, what, here's is. something else kind of interesting is, you know, Ed, uh, people ask me this, and so I wanted to share this with you. What about us here on earth, they'll say? Will these battles and temptations go on, and will these battles only be on a daily basis, or do we get a break, or what? <laughs> well, the devil doesn't believe in giving breaks, and we're to be instant in and out of season, and we should always be ready. Uh, so there's no time. The, the Lord or the devil, Satan, isn't uh, everywhere at the same time, you know. God is, right. you know what I mean? And uh, we have to realize that, but yet we have to be on guard all the time. We have to be on guard. And, you know, there's something that you just said a second ago, too, about what Brother MacArthur said. And, you know, if you read uh, Isaiah 53, 5, and 1 Peter 2, 24, you go back to Isaiah 53, 5, it says, by his stripes you are healed. That was before the cross, the blood of Jesus, the shed on the cross. But if you go to 1 Peter 2, 24, it says you were healed. So, are and were so this is all past tense just what you just said to brother macarthur said this thing has been paid for two thousand years ago so all we do is receive what he did he, god's not going to do anything for us god's not going to heal us he's not going to prosper he did that two thousand years ago but we tap into it by taking his word and applying that word to our lives it manifests just like it says in joshua 1 8 we're to meditate upon the word day and night. He said, then you'll make your way successful and prosperous. God won't make your way prosperous and successful. You make it prosperous by following his word, what he's directed you to do. And it, it happens, you know, just like I'm holding my Bible in my hand now. 
Now, if I was to let my hands open, it would fall to the floor. And that's as sure as what his word says. When his word says something, if you and I meet the conditions and apply it to our life, it's a sure thing. It's not, I hope it happens. Oh, wow, Lord, I just, oh, I hope this. No, you don't hope anything happens. It happens. You have to consider it done, the things that you pray for. And uh, as you do that, that, that's what faith is. You know, faith not only says God can do it, but I've got it. And then just lay it aside. Don't even think about it anymore and just go on your merry way. You see, that, that's uh, that's really, and a lot of people, what I'm saying probably is a lot of people going, what? But, you know, that's that's not a great man or woman of faith. That's just what God expects out of you and I. He wants people yeah. to believe his word and trust him. He wants to be God to us, you know, and too many people don't do that. But will you go ahead, Brian? You're a, 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 I answer the question that you asked, and then I know i got to I love it. I love it. Well, you know, here's something else uh, for us to remember. You know, it's really important for those who are in ministry. You know, you see, Jesus battled against Satan, and that was a battle that lasted 40 days. And then another battle that took place happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here's Mm -hmm. kind of another thing to remember. Satan will more than likely try to hit us even harder at times. He's there to distract oh, us yeah. to, to, and to get us off of the vision and the calling that God has put us. And so we need to be prepared and be preparing ourselves for battle every day, not just any battle. Yeah. We've got to remember that we're going up against a spiritual battle against, a, against both good and evil. And it's really important to remember. And so I wanted – and yes, something else I was – Yeah, and something else I was thinking about, and something to ponder on, it says that the Lord does not leave us out there on the edge of the limb, (laughs) just hanging out there by ourselves. His word gives us Mm -hmm. that hope, and that hope is found in Mm -hmm. Philippians 4.13 when he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I want to read that again. Mm -hmm. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And it's important uh, when we share and we're doing ministry with other people, you know, I never tell people that we counsel people. We only minister to them because we're not licensed professional counselors. But one of the things that we always share with them is, is that it's important that you read your Bible, and when you do, it's important that you read it out loud whenever possible. And the reason for that is, is because when you read God's Word, It comes out of your mouth, your ears hear that, and then it resonates back into your heart, your head, and your soul. Amen. Amen. Amen, bro. That's right. So I want to kind of continue on and take a look at our second verse, and that's in chapter 11. It says, so, that was my word there, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We're to put on that full armor of God so that we will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So, Brother Ed, let me ask you. Standing firm, does that sound like a tall order, or is that just something that we can wing it? No, that's something we have to be prepared for. It said stand firm. That is a state of mind. A state of mind is standing firm. In other words, you have to determine it. But 
and when when we get into the armor itself and start talking about it, if people have these pieces of armor on, they can stand and stand firm because they have the complete coverage. You see, this is a this says it all right here. This the armor. It says it all. And when we have it on, we still have to make up our minds to stand firm because a lot of times people sometimes they can be. Uh, committing themselves to things, and they say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and they get hit a certain way, or, or deception can come in, or various things can come their way, and you have to be wise onto that. That's why you have to be not only instant in and out of season to share the word with somebody, but you have to have your radio turned on, your spiritual radio turned on, and listen, because if we were led of the Spirit all the time, if we had our radio turned on, our spiritual radio what would happen would be we would be warned because the Bible actually tells us in 50, uh, Isaiah 58, 8, it says that he's our, our uh, rear guard, Isaiah 58, 8. And that means that he's got our backs. And that, that and I'll give you a little example of that. It's just like sometimes there'll be people maybe going to get on an airplane, and I've heard different cases. And I've had things happen myself like that. But uh, they'd say, they'd feel, don't go, don't go in that airplane, don't go. And here to come to find out that airplane crashed. Or he'll warn you, don't do that. Oh. Or uh, I was going to, pardon me? Oh, do you ahead. ask me how? No, I said go oh, ahead. Okay, how? Okay, I, I, okay. Uh, he warns us of those things. Now, that comes to a person that's serious with the Lord and living for God. He's got your back because we don't see everything. We don't know everything. Uh, we don't understand everything. But he's got your back, like the words that we say to one another. I've got your back. And many times he's had my back. My wife and I, I could write volumes of books of how we were protected and saved from physical death, uh, from going the wrong way, from a lot of mess-ups that we really would have done. And he directed us not to take that step. And that's why we have to – but if we were always open to that, always now, you know, we wouldn't – we'd be perfect. Now, none of us are perfect. We're never going to hit that. We're pressing toward the mark, Philippians three thirteen and 14, like Apostle Paul said. But yet that's why it's so important. It's the most important thing to stay in tune and committed to Jesus in that secret place, really close with him and having that close prayer life and fellowship with him where you and him communicate. And he speaks things to you. You speak things to him. You talk just like we're speaking right now because that's the kind of relationship we must have if we're going to hear anything, if we're going to learn anything, if we're going to grow, and if we're going to have confidence, if we're going to have peace. Uh, it's that personal relationship. Well, Abraham, look at Abraham. He was a friend of God, right? That's why he was the close. He was a friend of God. He was his friend. And if you're somebody's friend, you have to spend time with them, right? I can't be somebody's yes. friend, much of a friend, if I don't spend time. And that's why it's so important. Again, going back to that Joshua uh, uh, eight one, he said, meditate. Or excuse me, one eight, meditate day and night. In other words, keep in the word, prayer, right before the Lord, like you said right there uh, just a few minutes ago, keeping in that relationship, because when you do that, no matter how learned or how unlearned you are, God will meet you where you're at. That's what's so cool about it. You know, you could be a, a new Christian one day in the Lord or whatever, 
and he meets you where you're at that, hey, this God I serve is real. He really is real, and he becomes more real to us as we avail ourselves in, in his ways. I mean, I'm learning after 51 years, since 1970, when my youngest daughter was born, uh, I, you know, I'm learning to have more faith, how to stand better, how to trust God, uh, how I'm to act, what I'm to do, what he expects of me. Uh, I'm learning it more. You go deeper and deeper into these things, you see. They're very simple. Jesus was a very simple teacher. I teach very simply. The very same, you know, teaching simple. But it's profound. There's a depth to it. And you can't penetrate that depth yourself. You're committed. But the Jesus takes you into these areas. That, that's really what's so wonderful about it. All you do is commit to it, and you, you will learn these things. He shows you these things. But... uh what you were saying just on what that question right there, I, I believe that's what you were looking for, uh, put on the full armor. And when you put that full armor on, you're actually doing that. You're, that armor is the armor of the Lord. And when you have that armor on, you're walking in that word because that signifies, that signifies the word of God. As we get into the armor, these things signify that. And you are walking with the Lord, and you will be protected. Right. When you're really fully equipped, there's no real excuse why you aren't standing tall. No excuse at all, because God has taken us to that level now. You see, and that right. people are becoming that right now greater than ever before. Well, that's great, Ed. Thanks. You know, and you know, we were talking, you know, earlier in that phrase that talked about standing firm. And again, I found a really neat commentary by John MacArthur, and this was kind of something of what he had to share about the verse. He said those words put on conveys the idea of permanence, indicating that armor should be the Christian's sustained and long-term attire. I guess you could probably call it like what the old cowboys used to have, or they used to have their long underwear on all the time. <laughs> so a true soldier is one that is always one who is prepared and who is ready to fight. You know, and I like to tell people that when you think about this, think of it as like a Marine. I heard someone once say that those who are out of the Marine Corps are former Marines. I asked my good friend Andy Valadez one time, I said, who is a Marine, and, and who is a Marine about this? And his response was very short to the point, and he proudly replied, there are no former Marines, they're always a Marine. So as Christians, we That's must right. not always, we've always got to be dressed for battle and ready to hold our position. Not as a former Christian, but as one of God's special forces in the army. You know, and a lot of times we'll help you know, people. Well, you know, I used to go to church, or I used to do that, or mm -hmm. I used to believe that. We even had a, a good close friend of ours that used to be in our Bible study uh, program and had a son that was a phenomenal musician and worship leader. And because of a couple of bad things that have happened in churches. Uh, the guy's no longer really leading worship. Uh, he'll do a little side thing in, in a small group, but he's not back leading worship. Uh, and and it's very sad now even questions, well, there are some things in the Bible that I, I don't agree with, you know. And so that's really sad. So I kind of wanted to move on here. You, you know, the Apostle Paul shared a great message about being a soldier in the army of the Lord. And I want to read this to you. And this is from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And uh, actually, this one I'm using, I'm actually using the New International Version. 
And it says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Isn't that interesting, Ed? Yes, yes. I wanted to address something there before you go on with that about the armor real quick, because we don't want to carry too long on these things, because, you know, it's a lot to say. But first of all, you know, we need that armor on 24 hours a day, so they always say, put on the armor. I never read where we were to take it off. And I'll tell you a little little secret about that. Uh, uh, you put the armor on in the morning, you should put it on before bed. Because I've experienced, and I have other people have recently, I heard they said that fact on the other program I'm on, uh, they were attacked at nighttime, and I had that too. The devil wasn't getting to me at daytime, but at nighttime I would do things. Uh, things would happen to me in bed. I was like I was choking. My wife can tell you all about that, and I had attacks. And I recognized, hey, I need to get this arm on at nighttime because I wasn't feeling it at daytime, but nighttime I tip, and now I do that, you see. So we need to have that on 24-7, but uh, put it on in the morning and before bed you should put it on because you will get attacked. I do. Now, I haven't heard too many people say what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm one of those. So and just what you said, just what he said there, it should be on all the time because the devil doesn't say, well, when he goes to bed, I'm going to let him alone. So we need to, in our sleep, we need to have it on. Well, and that's that, that's right, you know, and I, I, I shared a story one time that I was reading about Smith Wigglesworth, and he had gone to go spend the night at a friend's house, and he said, we're really afraid to put you in that room because uh, we think it's haunted. Uh, there's always really strange things that are going on, and, you know, Smith Wigglesworth said, okay, that's fine, I can sleep in there. And, this, and, and to me, this talks about how strong... Uh, this man of God was, they said that in the middle of the night something stirred him, and he rolled over and looked up, and at the end of the bed he said, there was the devil. And he said all that Smith Wigglesworth said was, oh, it's only you. And with that he rolled over and went back to sleep. You know, so, I love the way, so I love the way that the Message Bible actually read in this same scripture. It talks about doing your best for God, and this is what it said. It said, so my son... Throw yourself into this work for Christ. Pass on what you've heard from me to the whole congregation saying amen and to reliable leaders who are competent to teach others. When the going gets rough, take it on the chin with the rest of us the way Jesus did. A soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in the making deals at the marketplace. He concentrates on carrying out his orders. And as my good friend Andy Vallett is in the Marine Always likes to stay. He says, I'm on mission and I'm staying focused. So, Ed, we're going to kind of continue on here. And it's, it, it also talks about in, in verse 11, it says, uh, it, it, it kind of goes on and it talks about the full armor of God that Paul is talking about. So I want to share this. It says that the word in the Greek is that word panoply, and it means, hang on a second here. It means the full armor. It means the complete armor. Now, this armor actually includes a shield. It includes a sword. It includes a lance, a helmet. It includes greaves. Uh, in layman's terms, these are something to protect your shins. And it has a breastplate. 
But there's even more to this, and I know we're going to cover some of these things, but you see, God's armor will bring victory because it is even more than just a protective covering. And in Romans, did you want to say something before it went on? Okay. No, no, go ahead. All right, so in Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14, it says that the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness and not in sexual immorality and debauchery and not in dissension and not in jealousy, but rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, isn't that neat, having that full armor of light? And that armor of light is Jesus Christ himself, and he will protect us just like he did David, and he will be our hiding place. So, Ed, before I go on, was there something you'd like to share? Well, basically, that that pretty much says it all, because when you're focused on Jesus, and you have, well, uh, Isaiah 26, 3 says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And you cannot have peace without trust. You, can be bold, you can't be bold without trust. All these are fruits of just simply believing and trusting the word of God. It all comes off of that. It, it is there, you know, just what you said right there. But, and it all goes back to focusing on Jesus and, and putting no limits on anything, getting yourself out of the picture and just looking to him and depending on him and believe in him. And don't live by your emotions. You live by what the word says, your spirit man, not by your circumstances, your emotion. People, we are emotional people. We can't help that. That's what human, humanity is. But we do have control of our emotions. We don't let them control us. So if we control our emotions and we focus on him, we're going to be exactly what you're quoting right there in that relationship because that's inseparable. But we can't leave those right. things come between it, and that's what separates us from that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, I also wanted to share this really kind of neat passage with, with, with all of you. And this is from Second Corinthians 10. Uh, verses 3 and 4, and again, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And it reads like this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish the strongholds. So again, we can talk about getting distracted, and as we read earlier, uh, from from this chapter back in Romans 13, but I wanted to read this from the Message Bible. I think you'll, it'll really bring to light, no pun intended here, uh, but it's going to bring to light something on God's armor. And this was really neat. It says, but make sure you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all of your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and you doze off and oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn's about to break. Be up and awake to do what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work that he began when we first believed. And we can't afford to waste a minute. 
We cannot squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and in sleeping around and in dissipation and in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't don't loiter don't don't loiter and linger around waiting until the very last minute. Get up, dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. So, first off, again we talk about what did it mean to stand firm. So Ed yeah. What do you think what do you think on that word stand firm? How, how does that resonate with you? Well, it resonates. There again, it all goes back to what you really believe. What What is your God to you? What are you in Him? Knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what authority that you have, knowing uh, what He wants you to do, knowing Him, you automatically will stand firm. In fact, a scripture I like about standing firm, especially putting a thing into our whole lives, is in Philippians 1 6. And instead of quoting it to you, I'll just read it. Being confident of this very thing, that He which has began a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, a good work in us really began when we get saved, we get born again. But let's even carry it a little bit further. Uh, say there's something that uh, you have a need for, you've been praying, and it, it began. It, it started to begin, things are starting to get better, you see God working on it. Well, God is going to complete that thing. You don't have to say, oh, Lord, I pray he continues on this, he continues doing it. He's going to complete it because God completes what he starts. When he begins something, whether it's healing in your body, I've had people who say, I feel so much better than everything and things are better. Well, you continue to believe that because he's going to finish that thing. He doesn't halfway do things for you, you say. In other words, you can take it to the bank that what he began in you and see the power of God moving, you can take it all the way, whether it manifests miraculously or whether it's a period of time. But that knowing what he begins, he finishes. And that's how you can stand firm on it. You stand firm in his promises, all these promises. And every promise is never, if you never pray, if it be your will. The only time you pray, if it be your will, would be like for a director. What am I going to do here? What do you want there? When it comes to health, wealth, when it comes to anything else in the scriptures of all the hundreds of promises, they're yes and so be it. Amen means so be it. Yes means yea means yes. And that's, that's what God is saying. It's his will. Reason people a lot of times kind of get waylaid, and I don't want to get off the run of any rabbits, but uh, <laughs> reason people a lot of times get messed up, uh, they just simply don't believe it. They don't know what his will is. They don't have full assurance of it. But knowing that God is a good God, and uh, you stand firm on those things, knowing my God is my God. He's taking care of me. I'm protected. The devil can't hurt me. And now the talk like that, what I just said, those few words, means that I know my God. I know what he can do, and I'm confident in him, what his word says. So you can't stand firm, Brian, unless you are firm in the word of God and believe the word of God. Because if you try it in your own strength, all it takes is one little thing to come your way, and you're down. You know? You're not built on the foundation. But we have to be strong in his word. Strong in his right. word, and then these other things will happen. It's automatic. That's right. Today. That's right. Well, and to kind of put, as I, I talked about earlier, like kind of trying to keep it kind of simple a little bit, you know, that word in the dictionary to stand firm means to stand up or to offer resistance to somebody or something. It also means to fight against someone, and it means to hold out, resist, and then oppose them mm-hmm. and fight back. 
You know, so basically right. we are to stand up against the enemy. And it also means that we're to refuse to abandon one's belief. So many times Christians give up on their faith and they give up on their belief. And so I wanted to kind of uh, move along here because we're kind of getting behind a little bit. And so I wanted to go on and I wanted to talk about that word schemes that's in there. Now that word schemes in that phrase means a secret or devious plan or a plot or something that you don't want anybody to know that you are doing. Now, I went on a really neat treasure hunt on this, and I found something really interesting. When I looked that word up, schemes, in the Greek dictionary, that word is methodia. And this word gave me a much more deeper meaning and understanding of the word. This word actually means cunning. It means sneaky. means crafty. It means using trickery. And it means using deception, deception. And so I found a really great commentary on that word scheme uh, in, in this particular study. And it came up with this. And it says that Satan uses these things to bring about mayhem and disruption in the world that we live in. Using everything at his disposal, including his demons, to bring havoc to this world. As his enticement, he uses every sin, every immoral practice, false theology, false religion, and any worldly enticement that he can. I once did a I once did a sermon message and said that there were two brothers. There was a, a what were their names, Mishala and Aflac, and. They said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, that means gloom and doom. And so that means the gloom and doom brothers are running all over the earth trying to bring havoc to to people all of the time. So that's right. So one of the questions that I was going to have kind of here, and if we could kind of have something quick as a response, do you think the devil, our enemy or adversary, do you really think he'll use anything to entice us and distract us? And are there any special things that Satan will use? And I want to kind of keep it really close to this question. So do you think the devil, our enemy, or adversary will use anything to entice us and distract us? And are there any special things that Satan will do? Well, sure. With men, it's women, money, and power. Uh, And with uh, the grass is greener on the other side, especially when you're doing the right thing. In ministry, you'll be impressed with somebody, somebody else's ministry more and try to lead you into that. You can even be led astray in the church. Uh, the pastor or somebody might ask you to do something, but it's not for you to do. They say, well, we have a need here. And it's not always your, you're, you're not always the one to meet that need. So you can be led astray, but get in off track to what God has for you, you see. And that, could be, and that appears innocent. That's right. That's right. And, you know, Satan can even use our own friends. He can use our coworkers. He can use our employer. And as you talked about, he can actually use church friends and, sadly, even our own family members. Or, or right. we, I think you right. know, we were talking about that this last week. I said at one time I made the comment that sometimes we really have a difficulty with um, family members, and we just don't understand it. And I said, well, that's because of... An old man once said that uh, family and fish both have the same thing in common, and they said, what's that? And they said, after three days, toss them out. 
You know, the answer to your But anyway, it's sad, it's true. But the enemy, will, you know, he'll just use whatever and whoever he wants to bring havoc into our life. And the devil is sure. our enemy. He's not our friend. And he does not roam the earth uh, just to help us. He roams the earth wanting to lie, to cheat, steal, and deceive everyone. And he'll actually, when he does that, he'll bring that havoc and he'll even bring death. And so when he brings that, as I said, he brings disruption and destruction and death. And so I was just thinking about this, and I just wonder, Ed, did you have a particular, you know, just to kind of be short here, but did you have a particular favorite verse that you like to use when it comes to resisting the devil? Well, he says resist the devil and he will flee from you, you know, uh, and uh, that, that's the main thing. Submit to James Ford, well, yeah. Uh, four, seven, and eight. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he, he will flee from you. You submit yourself to God. Resist what he tries to tell you, and he will flee. And 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 with that word, resist. I'm glad you said resistance. Resistance is your friend, because it's through resistance that we build our muscles up in the natural by working out with weights. You know that's there resistance. Resistance builds your physical. Now resistance in the spirit. As you apply the word, now I don't mean be afraid and fearful, let it beat you down, but as you apply your faith in the word of God against the thing that's challenging you or resisting you, you overcome that, you're building your faith up, you're growing, you're becoming stronger in the faith. You cannot grow without resistance. Your muscles won't grow in your body, or your spirit man will not grow without resistance and you applying faith. That's right. So kind of moving on, I want to go, I kind of want to jump into our next verse, and this is from Ephesians 6.12, and it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So I wanted to take a little time and talk about that word struggle. You see, that word struggle means... uh, a forceful or violent effort to get free of something or to get free of restraint and then to resist an attack. Now, that word in the, in the Greek is called pale. And, and I, I, I want you to know that it's not to be confused with that word from the Pirates of the Caribbean, arg, of parley. Here again, that, it's mm. just pronounced pale. And that word in Greek is defined as wrestling, like a contest between two in which each person endeavors to throw the other, and in which it is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hands upon his neck. Now, that term is transferred to the Christian struggle with the power of evil. And if you think about it, that struggle is almost like hand-to-hand combat, combat. And it can be both trying and exhausting. So, again, kind of let's move on some more into this next part of the passage where it reads, but not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, Ed, what's your take on this part of the passage? Okay, about spiritual wickedness in high places. No, that's what you basically was. Is that what you're asking me there? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, they're Brian? talking about our. 
it's not against the flesh and blood, but but it's against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of darkness right. and against the spiritual okay. forces. Let's, yes, let, let's simplify that just a little bit. The bottom line is you have men used of God and women used of God. You've got, you've got women and men used of the devil. So what happens is when you look at a man or woman used of the devil, satanic, whether it be a witch or whatever it might be, a sorcerer of some kind, it's not really them. It's the force that is leading them. They are serving the devil. They are filled with his words and his power. But it's not them you're battling. You're battling the forces from the heavenlies, evil forces from the higher levels. You're battling, you see. Your battle is not to beat the people down, but to take authority what's governing them. Because when you bring it down to simplicity, right now, uh, what's going on in this world, this country, this government and everything, it's not the president, it's not any of the Congress, it's no man or woman. It's God and the devil battle right now. That's what it is. It's not po- politics. It's God and Satan, the battle right now. And he's using his people. Satan's using his. God is using his people. But we have to keep in mind it's the forces of darkness from the devil and these people and know who we're battling because the Bible says in Luke 10, 19, and 20 that we have power and authority over the spirits. They, they are subject to us. They are no match for us. The devil is no match for me. I know when I go into a place where they're possessed, what I'm doing, he don't have a chance against me. And I'm not saying me. I'm saying anybody that believes God, he doesn't have a chance against them. So if we recognize that for what it is and take that authority and set over one another, that's where we're going to get the victory because we can't stop anything by doing it to people. We've got to stop the forces that's governing them, you see. And that's what it is, the yeah. spiritual wickedness in high places up to the Satan himself, up to the, the highest rulers of satanic forces. Great. That's, that's right. What it is. And I'm you know, the Apostle Paul, you know, he reminds us that our struggle is, is against Satan, just as Ed was talking about. And that also includes a host of demons and other adversaries that he uses. And these are the ones that yes. are not made of flesh and blood. And, you know, and this can be one scary list of people. You know, and Satan will find lots of help to promote his evil agenda. He'll find lots of help. And so you've got to think about this. Yeah, this can include those humans who are into pagan worship, the occult, and other immoral and ungodly sins, and they can find themselves trapped by their sins and their weaknesses and unknowingly helping Satan to fulfill his schemes. You know, what was it that they that they said in Romans one eighteen, going to the end of that chapter, where God just finally says, okay, you've traded everything that I've given you from an uncorruptible God to corruptible gods, and you've turned yourself over to there, and so he'll just remove the protective covering, and he'll turn you over to your own lusts. So, That's right. As they say, that's mm. spot on, as they say across the pond. And so I think that Paul said it best in Romans uh, chapter 1, 28-32, and again I'm reading from the New International Version. He says, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they can do and, and do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity, and they were full of envy, of murder, strife, deceit, and malice. And then Paul continued mm-hmm. with 
He said, they are gossipers, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents, and they have no understanding and no fidelity, no love, and no mercy. And although that they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You know, and our Lord mm-hmm. God, our, our Lord is God and King and gave us a promise of his power to those who believe in him. And I feel like, Ed, that you wanted to say something. Well, uh, basically, if we support those that are doing those acts, we're just we're an accessory. Like a guy can drive a car and person, a couple people rob a bank and they shoot somebody and kill them. The driver is just as guilty as the man that pulled the trigger because you're accessory to the crime. And God holds us accountable who we support. That's why we're to lay hands on no man suddenly because watch who you support, watch who you stand up for because the bottom line, it could be wrong. And that brings a reproach to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's why we have to be wise as serpents. Because I'll tell you something, and I'm I'm going to say more about it. But uh, some of the people, what they're standing for and the people they support today, uh, well, they're not going to make the rapture. I'm going to just put that right out because uh, their lamps have went out, and you can't, you can't support abortion. You can't support the, uh, you know, homosexuality. I'm just calling it out for what it is and, and depravity and expect to go to heaven, you know. Uh, so we need to really take this seriously. So be careful who you support and who you stand with. That's good. That's good. And, you know, as I started to say earlier, our Lord God and King actually gave us a promise of his power to those who believe in him. And this is, uh, we find this in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, and it's in his incomparably great power for us who believe that that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You know, and... With this, this all made us joint heirs with him. And someone once said something mm-hmm. that we know that when we see by faith, our faith shrinks our problems. Again, we know that when we see by faith, our faith shrinks our problems. So, That's let's, right. uh, yeah, so let's move on here to, uh, where am I right here? I wanted to take a look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7 and see what that faith actually looks like. And so it reads like this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, and I Man. just love that passage. And uh, Tim Greenwood uh, of Tim Greenwood Ministries had a really interesting uh, thought on this. He said, I want to point out that this is the armor of the intercessor and that the intercession is much more than just prayer, that this is Jesus' armor. I want to go on to verse 13 here, if if we can, Ed. Uh, It says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything, stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet 
the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, that mm-hmm. was one version that I that I read, and the other one was a little different. It said, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So stand firm, right. having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shotted your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So in mm-hmm. verse 13 it says, the whole full armor of God. So it talks about mm-hmm. putting on that, that that belt or that gird of truth. And then the breastplate mm-hmm. of rightness, righteousness. Now, Ed, you and I talked earlier this week, and you said you had something that you wanted to share about the breastplate of righteousness. Yes, yes. Well, the breastplate I have, yeah, through Samurai, we'll do, like you say, the breastplate of righteousness. First of all, that's a twofold meaning right there, the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, we are the righteousness of God in Christ because of what Jesus did. God doesn't look at me anymore. He looks at me being in Christ. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see me. You see, I can't be righteous uh, without Jesus Christ because my, my righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. No matter how good I do, what it is, I can't do it. It's only through the blood of Jesus. So Jesus may be in right standing. You could say right standing with God, being righteous. Now, along with being righteous in God, righteous acts need to follow us, and that's through the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness towards one another, that's kindness uh, and goodness towards others, and they are acts of righteousness. You remember how the Word tells us that uh, except our righteousness doesn't exceed the Pharisees, we will not see the kingdom of heaven. If our righteousness doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees, now they were a a self-righteous group that uh, didn't practice what they preached. They were putting the law on people that they couldn't even and didn't obey themselves. Now, our righteousness is uh, through God. We have this righteousness, but therefore, I need to have fruits of righteousness. Am I good to my fellow man? Am I kind? Do I have a sweet attitude towards him? Am I helpful? You see, I can say I'm righteous. Oh, I'm in Jesus Christ by his blood. I'm righteous. I'm staying with God. He sees me as a righteous man. But am I proving my life? by my kindness towards others, my actions. I, I've had uh, a situation, and I won't be long, it's because we got to move along, but uh, what happened where I had a man actually mowed my grass because I was a minister. He respected me as a Christian man, and he wouldn't take a dime for it, but he insisted upon mowing my grass where I lived, and this is a number of years ago, but he did that. I had one of my neighbors here a few years back that actually I went outside, looked, and he and his wife were worse than my car. And I've had acts of, from people of kindness, and that's kindness there. It's maybe mowing somebody's yard, uh, giving them money, maybe taking them to the store, bringing them something, being kind to one another. And I'm telling you, Brian, if, if we're lacking, and you know as well as I do, the people listening know, uh, are, are we really kind towards one another? We church folks, as they'll say, we Christian people, we really kind to one another, helpful to one another. Are we so caught up in our ministries and caught up in ourselves that we say what we are, but we aren't demonstrating it? You see, acts of kindness. And that's uh, something we need to really take more serious. So uh, that's what that breastplate is. We're righteous in Jesus, but make sure the uh, other side of that coin, you're walking in kindness towards others, kindness and goodness towards others. 
That's awesome. Now, along in that along in that verse, it talked about that the, the shoes are the sandals for your feet. Uh, but I kind of wanted to share uh, with all of you tonight uh, something really kind of interesting about part of the armor. It's the belt. All right, now that sounds kind of odd, mm. the belt. Well, first the belt or the yeah. girt, as it was called, it was an important piece back of the Romans' soldiers' outfit or their uniform. Now, this belt held all of the pieces of the uniform in place. And no... Leah, it was not there to just hold up their pants. <laughs> and so this belt allowed the soldier to get to anything that he needed for battle. So you might be asking yourself, oh, gosh, what was this made of? Well, you see, the belt was made out of good leather, and it was hanging from this where the leather straps were. And now on the inside of these straps were metal rectangular pieces. And these were held on by a rivet from the outside, and these rivets had some kind of a decoration on them. But there's more. They also hanging from this belt were hooks and holders, kind of like a tool built for a construction worker, you know, like a place for your hammer, screwdriver, tape measure, or whatever. Right. Yes, sir? Yes, amen. That, uh, you know... Did you want me to say something there? You said yes, sir. No, no, uh, I just thought okay. you had something. So, and these oh, holders yeah, would I hold the soldiers. When you're done. Okay, and so these holders would hold the soldiers' scabbard or the cover where the sword was kept, and the scabbard was placed at a certain angle so that the soldier could get to his weapon very quickly and easy. Now, I know, did you want to say something now before I go on? Well, no, you go ahead. I want you to finish what you're saying there. Then I, I you know, okay. I, when you're ready so, for me, you go ahead. So, you go ahead yeah, so I thought it was pretty cool about this belt, but there was even more. There was also a quiver, or what they called was a container, to hold lances, small little lances. And these were like small little spears, and there was another holder that they could hang their shield on while fighting in battle or to carry. And there were also clips to hold the breastplate and the additional hooks for the supplies. And this could be for bread, for oil, and for water. Now, that belt was just more than I would have thought about. So when Paul said to gird your loins with the truth, not only in this is the protection of the weapon that we're made from, but even more. So one of the things I wanted to share was this. Is there more than just this to the belt? Now, before I go on, did you want to share something, Ed? Yeah, I, I will. And that. I was going to – that's very interesting what you're saying about the equipment there, the warriors back then, you know, what they had. That's very interesting. Uh, what I was going to do a spiritual application here. The Bible says in John 4.24 that we worship the Lord in spirit and truth. It says what we're to do now, this course is in the Holy Spirit by our spirit man. We can't worship anyone in our flesh. We worship our spiritual man, but in truth. Now, the belt, as you pointed out there, holds everything in place and together. So when I stand up with my pants on and my belt tightened up, I'm standing with truth. In other words, God is truth. The devil is all lies. So therefore, I can stand up tall hey, I'm truth, I'm standing in that truth, you see, because that belt has it all together, truth. And it tells me in John 8, 32, I should know the truth, and the truth makes me free. So therefore, if I have a belt 
wrapped around me truth, the belt of truth. Therefore, I am free because I know the truth, and the truth that I know makes me free. And God's word is truth. God is truth, you see. So you're really standing as, as God's ambassador right there. I'm an ambassador of truth, a God, right. God, which is truth, you see. And it holds it all together, just like you said about the uh, physical aspect of it there. And that's, that's exactly what it is. I mean, that, that, that makes me feel bold right there just by the belt, just by talking. I'm not counting the other hormones uh, <laughs> right there. That's you know what I mean? I mean, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, there's there's a little bit more to this belt. Now, in Psalms 45:3, it reads, "Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O mighty, and with the glory and with thy majesty." Now, this word "gird" in Hebrew is is actually pronounced "hager," and it means to gird oneself or to put on a belt. But in the English language, that word "gird" means to fasten, to secure, or to equip and to prepare. So basically, when we're girding our loins, we are actually putting on a belt, and we're actually preparing ourselves for battle. And here's something else. Yeah, so here's something else that's really cool about this. To gird ourselves with truth, that truth is Jesus and God's word. Now, over in John 14, verse 6, it reads, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, there's a really great passage from King James, uh, and this is from 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7. It says, And by the word of truth and by the power of God and by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. So, you know, all this stuff is just from the belt to gird yourself, and, and that's powerful. So I wanted to finish out this part here with a quote from Tim Greenwood again, from Tim Greenwood Ministries. I always like to give credit to people who have really interesting things. He said, just as the belt is central to the armor of God, the written word of God, the Bible, is central to all that pertains to spiritual warfare. Knowing by written word that we have been made and are of the righteousness of God, will tightly secure our breastplate of righteousness. The faith and the shield comes by hearing of the word of God. So we spent a lot of time on this area, and so I kind of wanted to move on, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the breastplate of the armor. It it shared some really neat things about the breastplate. So I had a couple of things that I wanted to add to this. So this breastplate is actually the breastplate of righteousness. Now, Ed, you and I talked a little earlier about that, and so I kind of want to move on through this. And so some of you some of you out there might want to know, hey, what was this stuff made out of anyway? So this is really cool. You know, people back then, back in the old days, and no, Leah, I was not there. Uh, but back then, they were all born, people back then were actually born or were developed with special talents or skills. I mean, today we're, we're born with some talents and skills, but back then, they were either born with or developed special talents or skills, and they were known as artisans. Now, that meaning of that That's word right. artisan is a worker in a skilled trade, especially one that involves making things by hand. 
okay, trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. You see, these breastplates were actually a work of art. You know yeah. the term when someone says that they had a pair of boots custom made for them? Or as, as a side note here in Texas, it means that those boots were made to fit the feet of the person trying to buy those boots. And in England, I hear that there's actually a place called Tricker's Shoe Factory that makes shoes by hand with 250 people involved in the process of just making one shoe. So each breastplate was custom made for each soldier. Each one was mm -hmm. fitted to the contour and the body of each soldier. There was none of this like, oh, here, you can get this one. One size fits all. Just trim off what you don't need. Now, here's something that was really interesting that I learned. It said that the artisan made a cast of the torso uh, for each man or each soldier. This cast was then used to make a copy out of the torso, and then the artisan would lay brass over that cast and then beat the brass to fit or to conform to that cast. This was custom-made, folks. Now, some of these breastplates were made with extra decorations, then polished, almost like that of a mirror. Sometimes this could be blinding to the enemy. But the main function of this breastplate, this was interesting, was to protect the heart and the other vital organs from the weapons of the enemy. And if you think about it, there was a great deal of work that went into this process. And this was also really cool. This extra process and detail would actually give the soldier extra confidence in going into battle, knowing that there was an extra protection in those vital areas of his body. So, Brother Ed, let me ask you this. Knowing all these really yeah. cool things about the breastplate, how does this help us as Christians? Well, it, one thing, it brings the Bible down to a personal level. When we read the Word, don't consider, well, this is a, a, a book to the whole world, which it is. But take God's Word personally because uh, that goes for your calling, what your, your giftings are, what you do. Just like they fit, uh, you know, as far as the breastplate and or these armaments, how they were personalized to the people, to the men, the fighters, recognize that the Word of God now in a spiritual sense was personalized for you. You have certain personalities, certain gifting, certain qualities, uh, things in your life, and what the Bible says that you are, what you can have, what you can do. And he was speaking to you. He wasn't speaking to somebody else. He was speaking to you personally. So uh, take the word personally, and it encourages me when I do. It's a, it's a love letter from God to you, to me, you see. And that love letter, and we take that personally, we live by that, and we see it become more real to us. See, that's what is so neat about God. God is God. He created everything. We're not even little specks, any one of us, out of billions of people and of all the things. But yet he takes time for you personally. You're more important than all the riches in this world. Everything in this world has one soul in the eyes of God's more important than everything in this world. He has that such va that much value on you. If you were the only right. person on this earth, Jesus is still died on the cross. So your importance there and your personalization is what it really drives home. 
That's great. That is really great. You know, and I found a great scripture that will actually help us with this, and this is in Hebrews 4.16. He said, then, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may Mm -hmm. receive mercy and that we would find grace to help us in our time of need. So, you know, we're part of the army of God, and and we go into battle every day. You know, should we have confidence? And if so, where do we get it? Well, I found a really great answer to these questions, and this is from 1 Peter 5.8 in the New American Standard Bible, and it says, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to do- someone to devour. Or as my wife Leah used to say, yes, be alert. What we need are more alerts. <laughs> so, Ed, so, Ed, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit about what it means to be of sober spirit and on the alert. And so uh, it says we're to be sober and alert, sure of ourselves. As we have just shared, the enemy is out there working in the shadows to get us. He is constantly attacking right. us with lies and distortions. And, you know, there's that old saying that says, well, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? That that is a lie. Words do hurt. And the enemy will attack us with words, and he'll use words from others. And then there's the schemes that he likes to use, where he likes to remind us of our past sins. Do you really think God forgave you for that? Do you really think that he said it was okay that you could go on? So, Brother Ed, I'm just going to throw this out here and say... What kind of sins do you think that Satan uses to remind us of our past sins? Okay. Okay. First of all, death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18:21. So words do hurt. They create good and they also create bad. Okay. Now, he brings up, you're, you're asking me, what does he try to do about the past? Well, we have to recognize one truth in that there. He is an accuser of the brethren. Satan is an accuser. So he will accuse you of what you might have done 50 years ago and brings it back to you. The thing about it is, uh, if for something in your life will say he accused you of and you wouldn't have, don't have peace about it, you just repent of it if it's actually something that, you know, that really you didn't do. But recognize not only does God forgive you for what you did maybe years ago, but he forgot about it. You, you mentioned to him and say, what was that? Because he forgot but recognize that Satan, when, some, when accusations come against you, how I always determine it. You know, God speaks to you softly when he convicts you of something. He speaks softly, and you can sense that. But when the devil comes against you or accuses you of something, he charges, and he lambasts you. He comes on you hard, you see. And that's the difference how you know the spirit comes on gentle, but yet you're convicted. But he comes and jumps in and, and all fours upon you to accuse you of something. That's how you can distinguish, is this of God or is this Satan doing this? But he's the accuser of the brother, you see. So recognize the mannerism of how it comes to you, you see. And uh, what you do when you're accused of things, when you recognize that, you just cast him down. The enemy goes bring it to you and say, Satan, get out of here in the name of Jesus Christ. I cast you out. And then once you quoted a while ago, uh, Hebrews 4.16, it said, we're to come boldly. When you approach God, you don't come up there a million mouth, oh, Lord, no, no, no. You come up there, matter of fact, 
Uh, the Bible says, ask, seek, and knock, right? You know what that word ask means? That's like saying, God, I'm asking you for this. You don't ask God like that. It's putting a demand on it. You're putting a demand. You demand it. Now, you're going to say, oh, my heavens, Brother Everly, you're demanding God. No, no. God gives it to me freely. I'm demanding that I have it against the devil because the devil is going to try to stop me from getting it. No, God has it right there. You don't have to. All you do is just receive it by faith. But I'm demanding that the devil won't have anything in it. Saying, I've got my health. I've got this. I've got that. You see? And and God wants, when you are go before God for something like that, what happens is you're showing you actually believe his word. If you go up milly mouth to him, you're, you're haphazard. He says, well, I don't know if that man or woman believes me or not. But when you go up and expect it from him and speak his word back, which prayer is not saying a bunch of words. It's quoting the word of God back to him, whatever the promise is. That's what true prayer is, is speaking the word to God. It's not that you're, oh, i got a pain in my chest or something like that. No. No, it's speaking the word of God. But uh, that, that card, I know that there are ways that it does it, but the, the, the best way is the way you're attacked by that. Uh, way it comes out to because that that gives it away right away. I know right away when it's the enemy trying to hound me and pounce on me, or when it's God just convicting me, and I, uh oh, God, yes, forgive me, Lord, and make make right. And you Amen. you learn to recognize that the devil was on couth. The Holy Spirit Very is true. gentleman. That's awesome, you know. So that's, that's and you know, and God okay. gave us this promise, and uh, in in from. First John verses one nine it says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous mm-hmm. to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I like to share with others that the devil will try to stab you in the heart and make you feel terrible and undeserving, but God has already paid that price. And we need to remember who we are, and more importantly, whose we are. And so mm-hmm. we're kind of a little closer to our, our time here, Ed. So I wanted to move on to that uh, yeah. third part of the armor for for this evening, and it's the shoes or the sandals for our feet. Okay. Yes. And so yes, we do. We I want to get I want to talk forward. about the shoes. Now I know important how it is for especially for women to have the right kind of shoes. You know the color, the type, and of course style. Uh, and and for other men, they, they like to have a certain kind of shoe and a, shirt, a certain kind of fit. But you see, back then, the shoes of the Roman soldier, they were not just any type of shoe. Back then in Rome, and no, Leah, I still was not there, uh, they took a great deal of thought and care into supplying their soldiers with the right kind of shoes, the right kind of shoes. You know, we didn't just run down to Walmart and say, oh, I need a 10D size shoes, thanks. You see, these shoes were almost like boots. They were made like a sandal, and they were laced. But the soles were made with layers of metal and leather. They even had something they called a hobnail or a spike that was about a half inch in length. And, in fact, on some of the shoes that were made, they had spikes on them that were several inches in length. Yes, several inches in length. And this would allow the soldiers to plant their feet firmly in the ground, especially when they were fighting. And their feet would not slip, and this would give them an extra edge in battle. Or as I like to say, wow, instead of Nikes, these were spikies. 
So there was also something unique about these shoes. They even had toe spikes on them or spurs on them, which they could do even more damage to the enemy. Ouch! And that upper part of the sandal also had overlapping pieces of metal that were riveted to some leather straps, and these were then attached to a removable metal greave or covering that extended up and over the kneecap. Now, this greave would protect the shins, and it would protect the ankle, and, and importantly, protect the kneecap. So if you think about it, it's almost like seeing a picture of a mountain climber in the mountains or even a football player, especially with all of the equipment that they wear. But even more so, it's really like seeing a Marine in full battle gear. And I like that, to think, you know, when we're progressing up like that, we're getting in full battle gear. So, you know, we are just like a soldier, and as a soldier in God's army, and we need to remember just a couple of things. And Ed brought this up earlier. Before we gear up and we head out, we need to prepare, we need to dress, and then we need to equip ourselves for the battle ahead. We need to be sure that we have the right clothes on for the area that we are heading into, the right supply pack or the backpack, and the right kinds of shoes or boots. So, Brother Ed, let me ask you. What other preparations okay. might we need to be thinking about in getting ready for battle? Well, with the shoes, that's what you're talking about there, that we put those on for purpose, to fulfill the great commission and reaching others for Jesus Christ. Because if we're not doing that, uh, you know, they were designed not just to go around and have fun and do a bunch of things we want to do, but they were designed for the purpose of fulfilling the commission. And if we're not fulfilling the commission, we're using those shoes to our, which protect our feet and protect us just to live the life we want to live it, we're actually lukewarm because you're lukewarm if you aren't reaching others for Jesus Christ, if you're not reaching out to help others. And that's what we have to, uh, to really recognize because those shoes were designed for a purpose to get us to where we're supposed to go. And we, we decide where we want to go is the thing. Uh, about us, but we, we don't want to do it. We don't want to decide. We want to say, Lord, you direct my steps in those shoes. And if we're yes. not doing that, we're not going to fulfill the commission. So that, that's the motivation part to me. I, you described those things really well, a lot of areas of detail about the shoes. But that's, in essence, when you break down the foundation of every one of these things, uh, I could bring it down in, in five minutes, ten minutes, I could explain those whole things out just in the spiritual sense i could bring it out but uh, uh what you're doing you're bringing out the thing to give it a better understanding of people know what that armament was and some things that benefited where you can link it the same with, with the spiritual because it goes hand in hand with the spiritual what you're saying there right but that that's what the shoes are that's awesome you know and it also deals with our faith and i love the fact that you brought it up and for our purpose and here's something to kind of remember, that Jesus gave us some marching orders for all of us. Yes, he gave us marching mm -hmm. orders, and this is from Mark 16:15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. To all creation. Right. And yes, that means if you're a new pastor and you're, and you're stuck out there and you're preaching out in the middle of a field of 50 acres and there's only a cow out there, preach it. <laughs> so 
you know, right. we, we talked about how to apply this stuff as Christians uh, when we armor up. And I just love the way that Ephesians 6.15 reads, and this is from the Amplified mm-hmm. Bible. It says, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness, and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. But wait, there's more. And this is also from Jesus, and this is in Matthew 29:19 when he says, So therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say convert them. He said go make disciples. So now there are probably some listening today, and they might be asking themselves, how can I do this? I don't know the scripture that well, and I have never been trained to do this. So, Brother Ed, how might we respond to some of these people that say, how can I do this? I don't know the scriptures well, and I've never been trained to do this. Well, first of all, you need to get into the scripture. You need to pray, ask God to show you when the scriptures and teach you, and then have a good church where you can go to or some people can be around you to help you. But if you put forth that effort, I'll say this to you, no matter what you're, uh, where you're at, He'll meet you where you're at if you're serious. He'll he'll move heaven and earth for you. Say, Lord, I'm going to get into your word. I'm praying. Help me to understand. And you said you would direct my steps. Now direct my steps, Lord, as I read. And he'll bring people to you. He'll take you places. And he'll he'll take you there. You'll you'll actually experience in your life uh, things happening, and you'll know, hey. That must be God doing that because this just happened this way. And this person came here and I went there. He'll, he'll move things for you. All you have to have is a sincere heart meeting business with God. He will meet you. He said it in uh, uh, Psalms 46, 1, that he's a very present help in time of trouble and need. And when you go to him in that way, he will never he will never cast you out. He will meet you. That's what I like about it. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to know much. You don't have to know anything. I knew nothing when I got saved. But he yielded and directed. Well, he directed my pathway, and he led me into these things. See, I grew. I wasn't didn't always know the Word of God myself. That, that scared me. I was really afraid of it when I first got saved, and he taught me. So, you see, he'll meet you right where you're at. So that's why I can speak confidently to the, the least learned person, because I was the least learned person when I first got saved. So I can speak from experience there, but you just mean business with him, and you just watch what he'll do in your life. He'll come into there, and your, excuse me, he'll come into your life, and he will show yeah. you these things. He'll open up these doors for you. Uh, I know we have about three more things to go through there that we explained to him, the, the uh, shield and the helmet and the uh, the sword. I don't want to be too long on that. I know we're our time. No, like okay. we'll, we'll no, no, that's fine. We'll just, uh, you know, as we, you and I talked the other day, we'll just go as far as the time allows. So here's something to ponder on. You know, learning scripture is just like an artisan. It takes time to learn the trade. It's like being a musician. You want to be really great? Well, you got to practice. you got to learn your scales. you got to learn everything else. you got to learn your fingering. And uh, it, there's a lot that goes into it. And you just don't become good overnight. It takes, it takes a lot of time and practice. You know, but I like the way that this word uh, comes from Jesus in the Message Bible. He says, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. 
Go out and train everyone you meet far and near and in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in this practice of all that I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. And I just thought that that was just really cool how they brought that up. So I thought what we would do is uh, move on here to verse 16, and we'll see how the money, how the time comes out. And so let's move on. So verse 16 says, In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I want to take a look at this verse here, Ed, and it says, Paul tells us to take up the shield. So... Mm-hmm. Ed, real quick, if you got something short, what do you think it means to pick up that yeah. shield? Yeah, definitely, because I want to get through all three of them. Okay, a shield of faith is simply one thing to remember. The shield is movable. So recognize you have a shield like you're attacked physically, like sickness. You have the shield towards sickness. You're attacked financially. You have the shield towards that. You're attacked towards family problems. It's movable, you see, because you have to exercise face and various challenges that come against you. Uh, there's different challenges in life. A lot of different things happen, and we have to put the shield up to block those fiery darts. You see, the shield of faith. The shield of faith takes the word of God when that, like, uh, you sickness. Sickness comes at you. Okay, you put the shield of by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I block it right there. Sickness comes at me. I, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. You're blocked, sickness. You have no place in me. Financial, same thing. Uh, family situation, same thing. Uh, fear, same thing. Whatever it tries to attack me, I apply that faith there. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but give me power, love, love, and a sound mind. You see, you put the Word of God, which is your shield, really. The Word of God's your shield, and that's what it is, faith, faith in the Word of God. So you're moving the Word of God, whatever occasion it fits, everything that I mentioned. And it's really that simple. It's really right. that simple. That That is a foundation of the whole thing right there. We can enumerate on that, but that's what it is. You see, it's a movable thing. We apply the Word of God, and it blocks it, because right away, Jesus stripes some healed. First Peter 2.24, sickness has to go. It has to bow in the name of Jesus, you see. Yeah. It can't get through that shield. That's right. And, you know, just kind of jokingly here, it says to me when Paul says, like, pick it up, it's like, well, duh, pick it up. You know, now I looked at the online dictionary, and that word pickup means to get into one's hands or to take control or to take possession. So if we're picking up our shield, we're not just picking it up and kind of carrying around or dragging it on the ground. So if you think about it, that would be just like a child. We need to pick up that shield and hold on to it because we have taken possession of it. It is ours. And we will take it with us every time that we go out. Not like we're, oh, gee, I forgot this. And so that <laughs> word shield really means that it's a broad piece of armor that is made of rigid material. It is strapped to the arm and carried in the hand for protection. This is used to protect the body against hurled or thrusted weapons. And so even though that I'm talking about things in the Old Testament times, it applies to us today on how we're using that shield. And here's something interesting. The shield was also used to cover up or to conceal something. Now, here again, this is neat. That word for shield in Hebrew is the word 
my gain, and it means a shield or a buckler with which is a small shield. So before we go on, I just wanted to share this with you, Ed. Did you know that there are different mm-hmm. sizes of shields? Mm-hmm. Yes. It says, now there, in fact, it's great, some great reminders of the shield force in scriptures. In Genesis 15, 1, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came into Abraham in a vision, saying, fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. And in Psalm 33, 20, our soul waits for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. So... Before we get too far, I wanted to share with our listeners some really interesting information about the shield. It's important because when we understand what the shield is and how it's used, it will help us in our daily walk. First off, there were actually two different types of shields back then that were used by the Romans. For the Roman soldier, one shield was used for parades, and the other one was used for battle. And in the army of Israel, though, the tribe of Benjamin, hang on one second here, Uh, the tribe of Benjamin used the smaller shield, and during the time of Nehemiah, they actually used the smaller shield as well. Now, this is a little technical, and I'm going to kind of breeze through this real quick, but here's something interesting about the first shield. The round one, it was about 24 by 36 inches, usually decorated with neat markings and etchings and very colorful, and in fact, some of the artist would put, would put a picture in the center of the shield that showed a battle that the army was victorious in. But again, the shield, that shield was mainly made for parades. Now the second shield, it was a much larger shield. These were usually about 30 by 60 inches in size and it was rectangular. It was rectangular, uh, I'm sorry, it was re- rectangular. And in Greek, that word for that is thureos, which is a large oblong four-cornered shield. So one of the other things that we talk about in God's protection with the shield is in Psalms 18.2 where he says that the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer and my God and my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. Now here's something kind of interesting, Ed. During my research I found that this was a really cool item about the shield. This name in Greek refers to the shield as a door. Now, you might be asking yourself, why a door? Because when the soldier carried the shield, it looked like a leather-covered door, big enough to hide behind, and he could stand in safety. So the shield looked like a leather-covered door. And it's, This is fascinating because each shield was made up of six layers of thick animal hide, And this leather was specifically tanned, tanned and woven together, making them as tough and durable as metal and yet relatively lightweight. These leather shields could be soaked in water before battle so that in the event that the enemy would try to rain down fiery projectiles down on them and the fire would then be extinguished on impact. Now in the next part of the verse it says to extinguish all of the flaming arrows And that means to put out or to quench a light or flames. It also means to quench, to destroy, to annihilate. But this was kind of neat. It also means to eclipse or obscure something as if by superior brilliance. Now that word for extinguish is kavah, which means to quench, to put out, or to be put out, and to be quenched or to be extinguished. And so... 
In the last part of the verse, Paul talks about those flaming arrows. And that flaming arrow in Hebrew is the word reshef, and it means a flame, it's a firebolt or spark. And so those are the things that we look at. So with the shield coming up there, with the description of the shield, what this is actually doing is telling us that each and every one of us has a shield. And for some, there's different sizes. But that shield is still a door there to protect us. And the main holder of that shield is God himself. And so, Ed, we're sitting at about 747. I didn't know if you wanted to move on to verse 16 or if you wanted to finish a couple of other things. What would you like to do? Let's just do the helmet and the sword real quick, Kara, without going into a lot of detail, because I want them to know the six things, you know, the six uh, uh, armaments for armor there, you know, uh, like the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And we have about a few minutes, maybe five minutes in each one of them there. We can get the spiritual meaning out that they can understand what it is, you know, in their application. They can apply this in their life and see fruit from it to you know, teach them what it really is. Like with the helmet really is a way there and also the sword of the spirit. There's some things with the helmet, you know, which uh, applies really to the, that's the key point, the helmet of salvation. Uh, in, a, in a person right there, it begins there with the helmet of salvation. Everything, it begins there. That's our place. In fact, I won't, I won't you go ahead and start on that. Uh, however you like want to do it, that's what I would think. Well, oh, you know, ahead. you're you're already at, you know you're, you're already to 17 where it says and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the the helmet, mm-hmm. you know, that we talk about, it's it's actually defined as a covering or headpiece or, or armor, you know. And the helmet in Hebrew is that word myos, uh, mm-hmm. and it means a place of safety and a place of protection and a place of refuge and stronghold. Now, uh, right. so, you know, like in Isaiah 59, 17, he said to put on the righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his heart. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. So, you know, one of the things that John MacArthur talked about, he said that the Lord arms himself for the deliverance of his people and for taking vengeance on enemies who would seek his destruction. And Paul drew on his terminology in describing a believer's spiritual preparation for warding off the attacks of Satan. Now, you know, it says, you might be asking yourself this question, what does the helmet look like? And I don't think we've got time to go into that. Uh, So here's a great question for us. So basically, what is the main purpose of the helmet for us as Christians, Ed? Okay, this is the main purpose of what I'm going to say. I, really, I believe this in my heart. It says protect our head and our mind where thoughts, good or bad, come, you know, and lies and doubts about salvation because everything in life begins at the mind. The mind is our filtering process. And what that, that uh, helmet does, that covers 
that filtering process and protect us because that's where the lies of the devil come into that mind, you see, and also the good things of God, and we have to filter them. In fact, Second Corinthians 10, 5 says, we're to cast down all imaginations, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. People allow the thoughts, and instead of knocking it away, commanding it away in the name of Jesus, they'll start thinking about entertainment, and then when they entertain it, it'll go down through and get into the heart. And before you know it, that wrong thought becomes bigger than God himself. That's why we have to filter. It's our filtering system. And we must take it very seriously. When things come and not of God, get rid of them right away, just like a fly getting on your arm. And when you're out in a picnic or a mosquito, right away you would hit it. That's what you do in these wrong thoughts, like you're going to be sick, you're going to lose your job, you're going to go to the hospital, this is going to happen, that. You've got to cast them things down. And just keep the things that are according to the Word of God. And that's what that helmet does. That protects you. That protects me from those things, you see. And these lies that are coming, especially people uh, are being accused. You know, what we were talking about, the accuser of the brethren. Satan is an accuser of the brethren. And that protects that, too, you see, from the lies of the devil accusing you. You're no good. You're What kind of a man are you? What kind of a woman are you type thing? And you're no good. You're not worthy of this. You're not worthy of that. That's what that head protection is, you see. And and that's that's where where it all begins. So we're we're either the mind through the mind, we're either defeated or victorious. It depends on how we use that filtering system because that is the whole ball of wax. That's the foundation of the whole thing. Everything else is worthless if it gets through that mind because it gets down into us and it becomes bigger than God Himself, whatever we Except, you see, whatever we give credence to. If you notice, Jesus, when he was tempted, he didn't use his word. He said, he quoted what the Father said. He quoted God's word, you see. And too often people try to talk to the devil and, oh, am I going to lose my job? Oh, is this going to happen? And then before you know it, they're staying awake at night and chewing their fingernails. But we have to have that covering on there to protect us. Well, and you know, one of Satan's greatest weapons is lies that you said earlier. And the enemy wants us to doubt God and his word, and not only God's word, but he wants to doubt our salvation. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, it says, But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, this was really kind of neat. Uh, the The same passage from the Message Bible reads like this, But friends... You're not in the dark, so how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of light, daughters of the day, and we live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let us keep our eyes open and be smart. And people sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we are creatures of the day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight, sober, dressed up in faith and love, and the hope of salvation. You know what salvation means, uh, Brian, really? People think, well, it's being saved, getting saved. That's the foundational part. But salvation is more than getting born again. Salvation is spirit, soul, and body, your total being in every area of life. It's everything, salvation. So that's where doubt would come in every aspect of your life, not just I'm not saved, I'm not born again, I'm not going to heaven. But everything that we 
live and, and uh, believe in what we're doing, it curtails. That's why that mind has to be covered and everything where it enters, that we don't allow that junk to get in our minds, that, but only the things of God. And if we leave only God get in there, we're going to be all right. There you go. You know, and so the last part of that verse is the sword of the Spirit, you know. Now, when I looked about mm-hmm. this, they usually said that sword was anywhere from 6 to 18 inches in length. It was used by the Roman foot soldier and mainly used for just hand-to-hand combat, and that sword was carried in a scabbard attached to their belt. So with this last part, Mm -hmm. the sword of the Spirit, in this passage, that the sword is the weapon of the Holy Spirit. And here's something really neat. As soldiers in God's army, we need to be trained in handling the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And now we've, we've taken, yeah, so now we've taken some time about training the soldier, but I just want to kind of finish with this from 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but the divinely powerful for the destruction of fortress. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And this is just one more example of a powerful and encouraging word from God. And so, Ed, I think at this point I'm just going to turn it back to you with just about four minutes left on the program. Okay, and amen. And that, that's the verse I just quoted there. You're exactly right. That's pertaining to everything. And a sword is a double-edged sword, which is sharp, and it goes into the depth or purpose, what we are thought, or intentions, everything, things that we don't even know ourselves, it examines, and that's the Word of God. And the Word of God is sharp, instead of two-edged sword, sharper. So we have to recognize the Word of God knows everything, because God's Word, everything's in that Word. So so the bottom line here, and it was very good, you did a, a beautiful job, and especially with the history of things and defining some things there, especially back in the day there. And uh, and I'll say this, uh, you know, the main thing is that, 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 I, that I stick with all the time, and it's a very basic, is when you're serious with God and you're hurting and you need God, you just don't know where to turn or what to do. Even if you're saved, if you're, if you're living for God, then you hit, you hit a, a wall, so to speak. When you are serious with him, he will meet you in that hour of need. And if you yield to him, he will lift you back up. I've had times been hit so hard, and then one second later I was tall and strong as you can get. In other words, you you were knocked down not under the barrel or above the barrel, but under the barrel, and then God brought you back up, you see. That is if you look to him, you see. And that's the key right there because you don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to do all these things. The more we learn, the better, you know, naturally, of course. My people destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6, but it's the spiritual knowledge that we need to know and know that you're committed to him. And if you commit yourself to him and want to live for him, he's going to take care of you. When I first started, we only have about a minute left, when I first started with, uh-oh, 90 seconds. Okay, well, all I can say, really, just what was uh, tonight there, you all need to listen to this again. And this, how does this apply to me, you need to ask yourself. And just let the Holy Spirit just direct you because he wants to meet you where you're at. And he's going to bless you. And 
Brian, I want to thank you for being on the program tonight. And Leah, also, you were there. I heard you in the background. And I thank Vendus uh, uh, Montel and, and all you listeners. And I just speak God's blessings over each and every one of, of you. You just follow the Lord, be obedient unto him, and just watch what he'll do in your life because this is the greatest time to be alive, folks. But just let God have everything in your life. You give yourself to him. And just watch what he'll do in your life. I love you all. Good night to everybody. And we'll see you in about two weeks, okay? Love you now. Good night, everybody.